Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. So this is part two of You Can't Talk About That in Church. And uh, I hope you enjoyed last week. We talked about doubt, and that's something no one ever talks about in church. If you doubt, or if you've ever had doubt, you're in good company, and I would just encourage you sometime to go and you know, look out Facebook Live, or you can listen to the podcast, um, anything like that. Um, you know, and so I've been praying, and like I said last week, I said, man, if anyone wants to connect with me and say, hey, here's things that are never talked about in church. I actually heard from nobody, and so uh, maybe we're hitting on the right stuff then, I don't know, or you're shy, I don't know. Um, and so if, if you don't like this, this is your fault now, because you didn't tell me, so it's on you. Um, because here are the things that I believe God wants to speak to us that we don't often talk about in church. And so I have, you know, this week and then two other weeks um, that I'm going to be sharing. And so it's fun because I, you guys know me, I kind of like to push the envelope a little bit and, and I just enjoy that. And so if, if, do you enjoy that? You okay with that? Can I just be real with you? I'm, my, my filter is going to come off the next couple of weeks. So if I say like sucker crap from the pulpit, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I don't say that up here. I never say sucker crap. So, um, some of you, you're good. Um, let me say this. I love like movies, and you know I'm a movie buff. Um, one of my favorite movies, and unfortunately we weren't able to get the clip. I wanted to show you a little bit of the clip, but I, some of you that are my generation or wiser will know this clip. Those of you that are younger aren't going to have an idea what I'm talking about today um, for just a couple moments. But it's a movie. It's one of my favorite actors that has Bill Murray in it. And within this movie, uh, let's just say he doesn't know what boundaries are. Some of you already know what it is. And, and let's say within this movie, he goes and, and he takes little tiny steps to get into his counselor's office and he gets into his counselor's office and while well, he's there and, and uh, you know, the, the Richard Dreyfus plays the counselor and it's What About Bob? If you, if you, how many have seen What About Bob? I watched it with my kids. They loved it, you know. And, and What About Bob? My favorite part is, is he's out, you know, with um, the you know, Richard Dreyfuss' son, and, and he's sailing, and he's like strapped to the mast on the front of this, you know, the spinnaker. It's like, I'm sailing, and he's just going for it. I, I love that part. And then one of the clips I wanted to show this for, and I apologize that we couldn't get it, is um, it's when his son, Richard Dreyfuss, the psychologist's son, could not dive. He was afraid of diving off the dock. And so Bill Murray's character, Bob, you know, trained him and helped him. And so you see Bill Murray holding on to his back and he's holding on to the kid and the kid gets ready and he dives in. And, and you see Richard Dreyfuss's character from inside the house. He's, you know, Bill Murray's character doing this. And he's like, wait, 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 what? And he runs out and he's like, oh my goodness, my son did it, my son did it. And on the way out, like he hits Bob and throws him into the, you know, into the lake. And, he, and he's just so proud of his son. Here's what it made me think of when I saw that clip. How many remember that clip? Do you, do you remember that? Okay, so we're all in good, good company. Um, here's what I remember when I saw that and when I watched it just recently is this. We think within the movie, What About Bob, that Bob is the one with mental illness, right? We really think that. But after you've seen that movie, if you've never seen it, you've got to watch it now. But at the end, you realize that it's not just him it's even the psychologist. I know we have a lot of psychologists in this church, okay? So I'm not like trying to pick on you, okay? But this psychologist, Richard Dreyfuss, needed a psychologist, right? Like he, he, was, he had just as big a mental need as did Bob. You remember that part in the movie? And like you see him at the end, like in the fetal position, sucking his thumb. So um, a great movie. Here's what I want to talk about today. And I have to say this. Um, I am not a professional, okay, within mental health. I am not a 
doctor. I don't have, I have a master's degree, but it's not in this, okay? So this is, um, maybe I, I can see a couple psychologists right now, and I'm not going to make eye contact with you for this sermon. Um, I'm kidding. I already have, and you're not in so far, so we're good. But uh, we're not into it yet, baby. Um, what I want to say is this. Um, take this from a biblical worldview. This is not a uh, doctorate level dissertation on what mental health is, but here's what I found was really interesting. I've studied out the last few months things that are not talked about in church. We hit on one last week that was doubt. Um, one of the biggest other ones is actually mental health. It's never talked about. I've, I've been in churches now for 20 years of my life. Not one time, not once can I ever think about a time where a pastor decided to actually talk about mental health at all. And, and so it's just, I think part of it is because we fear it. We're a little scared. You say, you know, even the word mental scares us a lot of times. Um, I think it's because a lot of times us as a church, we don't feel like we have the ability to even deal with mental health. We don't have the tools or the resources to do that. Um, you know, and I want to say this, mental health does not mean crazy, okay? These are two different things. Um, there's actually some studies done. Some believe that 99% of all people, 99% of all people deal with some kind of mental health, whether it's depression or anxiety or OCD or, or come on, you know, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but we probably, 99 out of 100 of us deal with mental health. One out of 100 of us lies. Just going to say it. So let's unpack this biblically for a minute and then talk to the psychologists afterwards and make sure they correct anything that I say incorrectly this morning. Um, let's turn to the book of Matthew. I want to show you this scripture. It's really powerful. Uh, this comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus repeats these words in the New Testament and he says right here in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your, say it with me, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? that's in the Bible. I, I always ever heard a pastor not talk about the soul or the spirit, but actually focused on the mind part of this scripture. We don't. We don't. We throw them all together and we're like, love the Lord with everything that you got because we ain't touching the mind because that's a scary thing to talk about in church. Okay? Um, 25% of all Americans deal with some type of mental health issue. Um, this, 25% will deal with some kind of mental health issue this year. Uh, this is what's crazy to me, though. This is a staggering statistic. Out of that 25, so that's one in four of us, will deal with some type of mental health issue this year, and over half of those 25%, ready for this? Over half of them will come to a church seeking answers. And I'm going to say right now, we have done a sucky job giving it to them. I said sucky. It wasn't sucky. We have, we have not done a good job giving it to them because we're scared, we're intimidated by it. We say mental health, we want to run. You know, you say, I'm seeing a psychologist or somebody and people throw up red, what does that mean? Man, go see one, they're great. For too long though, I think people have been afraid to admit that they have a mental illness because they've been ashamed or they've been shamed by churches. Or in church, we, we fear it because we don't know it, we don't understand it, we don't know how to deal with it. Or we end up equating it to a character flaw in which it is not, okay? Can I hear an amen on that, somebody? Because it's not a character flaw if someone says, man, I go to talk with somebody once a week, all right? That's healthy. That's improving their emotional intelligence and their mental health, 
If you don't know what emotional intelligence is, that's just as important as your intelligence quotient, okay? Your IQ. Look at us sometimes. You want to have strong mental health. You want to have a strong emotional intelligence, especially if you work with people. You need that, okay? It's something called empathy, getting to know their story, understanding where they come from, understanding their history. Um, Now, I want to show you something here. Um, I have some money with me this morning. It's a nice, crisp $20 bill. Who remembers who's on the 20? Anyone? Jackson, nice job. All right. Um, who, if, if I just said, who would like this $20 bill? If I just said, hey, who'd, who'd like a 20? Would anybody want this 20? Okay. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, it's enough to get like a value meal at McDonald's nowadays, you know, or something. Um, I don't even think you can get a value meal at White Castle with the 20. But, but you would take this, right? You'd take this $20 bill. You'd be like, it, it, it's crisp. It looks good. It's you know, it's, it'll work. You could go cash it, you know. It's, it's still got the little bar thing in it. Um, you know, it works. It's a real dollar. It's a real 20. Now, let me show you something, and here's the deal. What if I take this, and how, how many have teenagers? How many of teenagers do this with money? And then mom and dad, you do the laundry, and then you go and you take out their pants, take out their pockets, and, and, and you find these little crumpled up, you know, 20s. Can I, can I ask you, now, new question. How many of you, if I said, who would like this $20 bill, would still take it? The value didn't change, did it? Now, let me show you something. Now, if I take it, okay, um, my, my kids find money in their dresser, in their pants pockets, all, they have, in their cereal, everywhere. Like, it's just all the time. Now, if I take this and I throw it on the ground, okay, and, and now, now it's on the ground, we're all walking up here with shoes, and we walked in from the outside. It's nasty up here sometimes on the stage. How many would still want it? Still want the 20? Okay, wait, wait, one more thing. I mean, what if I just, like, ground it into the, into the stage? I mean, it's, like, flat. You can't even see it. I crapped on. I, I dug in my little rocks and my shoes into it. How many, how many would want it now? Why? The value of it didn't change. Do I have to explain it? Are you good? Did you get there? You got it? Okay. All right. Heather and I, when we were, um, when we were first uh, having a baby, our first child was not Jason. We first had a miscarriage. And uh, after that, we had to go in and uh, we went into the hospital, went into Mercy and um, got pregnant. And Heather had to have these blood tests done all the time. And um, I didn't understand why they did it. I, you know, I still didn't fully understand. But what they would do um, is they, they would take her blood and they did it more for her because her older sister, um, who just passed away last year, uh, had Down syndrome. And because of that, now Down syndrome is not a mental health issue. That's a chromosome difference. Um, they wanted to find out if we had a probability or a chance of one of our kids having Down syndrome and the whole reason that they did this is because if we had become pregnant early on with a child that was going to have, um, you know, uh, Down syndrome or something to that effect, um, then we had the opportunity to get rid of the baby. And uh, it broke my heart. And here's why. Uh, I'm not trying to get political with you. I, I'm just saying this. You know, the Bible says life starts at conception. And, and, and so for us, it was like, I don't care if my baby is going to have Down syndrome, I don't care 
if my baby has three arms or is missing an arm. I don't, I don't care if we have twins or tri- I'm not really ready for triplets, but if it happens, it happens. Um, you know, and, and I didn't care. And what I realized is sometimes people within our culture will put the wrong value on things, okay? We as a church need to make sure we put the right value on things. And so here's what I want to say this morning. It's going to be really easy for us to think about that person that maybe we have a stereotype of, Maybe it's someone with Down syndrome. Maybe it's somebody that has a, a mental health issue. Um, but if, again, if 99% of us have some kind of mental health thing that we have dealt with in our life, then don't nudge the person next to you this morning. This is for you, okay? This is for us. Don't be like, all right, Pastor Chris, thanks for this stuff. Now I, can, now I can help deal with those that have mental health. No, this is for you, okay? This is not, don't nudge your spouse this morning and say, honey, Pastor's talking to you. I will come out there and I will nudge you, okay? So, um, this is what I want to do. I want to say this. There is a battle, and we talk about spiritual battles. We talk about the soul. We talk about the spirit. But we don't ever talk about the battle of the mind, all right? There is a battle constantly going on all the time around us. And it is a battle for the mind because whatever gets your mind, whatever takes over your mind, takes over you. If it gets your mind, it gets you. Either way, whether that's positive or negative. Let me show you here in the Bible. I'll, I'll prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5. I'll put it on the screen. Paul writes this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay? Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. He's talking about the mind. We demolish arguments. Arguments talking about the mind. Every pretension with our mind that sets, it, sets itself up against the knowledge, which comes from the mind, knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought to make it obedient. Now let's ask a question. How many of us take captive every thought that we ever have and make it obedient to Christ? How many like, dude, I failed today already. Join the club, right? Like it happens. This is over and over. It's not a one-time deal, okay? And so Paul is talking about mental health. He's talking about the mental battle. Every word in this scripture right now is tied to our mental health. It's tied to the mind. And so the focus is to take every thought completely captive so that it obeys Christ. How does that look? Well, the language here that Paul was using, his audience would have known this. We don't know this. You know the game Capture the Flag? It's been around for a long time, okay? That's been around for thousands of years. The game Capture the Flag was a military game. He's literally talking about an example of the other group going and capturing the flag and you're holding on to it. You take it captive. Captive just means capture. Or we go, we're going to battle that hill and we're going to capture it. We're going we're to take it. We're going to conquer it. It's the same word. So here's what I want to do this morning, just in the remainder of our time. If you're with me, say yeah. Okay. Five things. Here, there. There's probably like a hundred, but I want to give you five from a biblical world view in conquering your mental health, okay? Five, you're gonna conquer it. You're gonna capture it. You're gonna take it captive. I got 20 minutes right now that I pray in the next 20 minutes, you walk out of here a changed person with your mental health. That's a big thing to ask. God can do it, I can't. So listen to the Holy Spirit right now, not to me, okay? Five things, everybody say five. Five. Okay, number one, number one. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think, all right? Here's the deal. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. We lie to ourselves 
all the time with our mind, all the time. Come on, think about it. How often have you told yourself, it's okay when it ain't okay? You've done it, haven't you? How many have told yourself, man, you know what? Things, they're really, they're really, really, really bad. When they ain't that bad, they're not that bad. We lie to ourselves. Why do we do that? Because we try to figure out a way to justify our behavior. That's what we do. That's our mental health. Or we justify, you know, good behavior. We justify wrong behavior. You know, or we reward ourselves. You know, we, we justify, you know, I've, I'm down 50 pounds in one year. Come on, somebody. That's worth there. All right. So, and I've kept it off for a year. That's even better, more impressive. I was reading Biggest Loser Stories. Don't read them. They're discouraging, man. Do you know that out of all the biggest losers that, and now we're doing one here. This is like a really bad promo for our small group. Um, do you realize out of all the biggest losers that there have been, one, one winner, that's it, has kept the weight off out of all of them. Why? Why? Because they're justifying the behavior. Well, I did it on the show, and now back into real life, they couldn't make it a lifestyle change. It was just part of, you know, the show. So this is lifestyle stuff. This changes us. We actually talk ourselves out of right choices all the time. Come on, you know you have. You've talked yourself out of the right choice. I've done it. Losing weight, man. Man, I've been good for this week, so I can, I can grab a soda, man. I can grab a pop. I'm good. Talk myself out of it. No. Jeremiah, check this out. In the Old Testament, chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. Heart and mind mean the same thing within the scripture, just so you know. And beyond cure. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? God sees the whole thing, thank you, Lord. But deceitful within the context of this scripture, it actually means that you can't be trusted. It means that none of us can be trusted. It means that we all fall short of God's glory. I've read that somewhere before. It's in the Bible. Okay? It means you can't be trusted to tell yourself the truth all the time. You'll never be able to do it. I'm sorry. You, can, you can't. Because we lie to ourselves constantly. And we all have these things called blind spots. All right? We have blind spots. I have blind spots. You have blind spots. Whether that's within your marriage, within your leadership, within the way you do things. We all have those. All right? Um, scientific research, here's what's crazy. It actually says that the brain, sent, now psychologists in the room, you have to back me up on this. Scientists actually say that the brain sends signals to the eyes to perceive what we see. Rather than what we see, we make it the reality. And so our perception of what our brain thinks we saw becomes what we think we actually see. Are you with me? That was a little psychobabbly there for a moment, okay? All I'm saying is, our perception becomes our reality, okay? We cannot be objective within our mindset. It just can't happen. If you're with me, say, yeah, I lost some of you. Stay with me, all right? I'll, I'll tell you a quick thing here, get you back on board. Um, I have a blind spot, and if you've ever been over by Cheapskate and that area in Coon Rapids, Northdale Boulevard and Hanson where they cross, there's a library just up the road right there, No County Library, and there's a train crossing, and, and uh, I remember I used to drive um, a, nine, or a 1976 Buick Skylark with a pleather top, baby. Oh, yeah, that's my first car. Zero to 50 on occasion. Um, and I remember driving down Northdale Boulevard, and I got there, and I was looking both ways. I was 16. Guy behind me could not see me for some reason. He had a blind spot ends up rear-ending me as the arms go down, 
and I'm thinking I'm going to be pushed onto the tracks. And I didn't, but what happened is those arms, I, I was like thinking it would be like the movies, like you just drive through and it's smashed. Those arms are like metal solid, man. They're like, ba-bam! Never once injured my car, man. It was good. But we all have these blind spots. We don't see what's coming. We don't see what's going to happen. Are you back with me now? Say yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. It says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. All right? Okay? See, we have these filters that we put on. And our filters come from our background. They come from your story. They come from your hurt. They come from your former, you know, uh, relationships. All of that, we put these filters on. And then he says, test yourselves. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. You see, you have to think a new way. That's, how many know it's hard to think a new way? <laughs> like, I'm giving you 15 more minutes to teach you how to think a new way, okay? You can't think the same way. You've got to change that. You have to change your thinking before your behavior changes. You can't, it's not the other way around. And so you've got to stop believing the old lies that you've believed. If it doesn't match scripture, I'm going to punch you. All right, number two. Some of you are scared right now. Like, he's really going to punch us. I won't punch you. I'll have my wife do it. Number two, guard your mind against garbage. Guard your mind against garbage. Now, truth be told, we put a lot into our mind, into our life that's garbage. You know, some of it, you think of junk food, man. I love junk food. You know, I'm not, you don't have to tell me what you're fasting. When our 21 days in fast, we've got like one week left, guys, we're doing it. And uh, here's the deal. One of the things that I've been fasting, I've been fasting eating out. I've been fasting, you know, probably like, why isn't Pastor Chris meeting me for lunch right now? Well, it's because I'm, I'm fat. I love eating out. I love it, man. And it's been hard, but can I tell you some of the stuff that I eat when I'm eating out? It is junk. And I love it. I just love it. You know, on occasion, fine. All right? But here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 14. Solomon writes this. He says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Wise person is hungry for knowledge. Let me tell you, there's three types of like mental food that we put into our mind. Okay, one is like the good stuff. All right, this is like the Whole Foods store. All right, this or Trader Joe's, you know, and no sodium nitrates in the stuff. It's all natural. It's good. It builds us up. It builds our mental immune system. It gets us going. It gets us thinking. And and then we put into our you know our system junk food. Now junk food is it going to kill you? Well, maybe eventually, but not right away. It's not. Is it beneficial? It's not a trick question, guys. Is junk food beneficial? I gave you the answer, okay? But it's not necessarily poisonous, okay? So we have good food, we have junk food, and then we have this mental food that is, is really the, the junk food, the garbage food, okay? So what is mental junk food? What does that look like, okay? It looks like pornography. It, you know, you're looking at pornography. That's somebody's daughter or kid you're looking at, man, okay? That, that's junk food that we're putting into our system, or maybe you're somebody that's like, well, I'm into my horoscope, or I'm into reading tarot cards, or, or witchcraft, or occult. That is not going to do anything beneficial for you, okay? That is, that is junk. That is toxic food. You've got to get that out of your system. It's going to affect you, all right? So how do we guard our mind against garbage? Well, you just don't eat garbage food. No, let me give you some ways, okay? Here's one of the biggest ones for me, and it's conversing with God all the time throughout the day. Let me, let me just, when we say prayer, I hate the word prayer because it's like, you know, we, we picture some traditional service that we're in. I'm talking about conversing with God all day long. It's this relationship. And now I'm not saying like, 
God, should I take a left turn here? Should I take a right turn here? No, that, that gets weird, okay? Like, you know, God, should I go pee or should I not? I don't, is your bladder full, kid? Like, go, all right? Seriously, I've had adults come into my office and say that. I'm like, dude, just, if you gotta go, go, you know, all right? But conversing goes, you know what, Lord? I'm on my way, um, you know, I'm on my way to the high school today with Reggie Dabbs. Lord, help me not say anything stupid, you know? God, I'm on my way to go do this with somebody. May I be an encouragement to them? You know, Lord, I just want to tell you, you know, that I'm having this great meal today and I just want to say thank you for it. You know, Lord, I'm kind of bored in my drive and I just want you to know about it. Because here's what happens. We realize when we start conversing with God all through the day that he's there. And all of a sudden we have this like, this different thing happens that it's like this God filter comes on. And it allows us to see things through his way rather than our own. Also, focus on good thoughts that don't, you know, focus on good things. Don't try to not focus on bad things, all right? You, you, here, let me, let me give an example. If I tell everybody right now, don't think about elephants. Think about an elephant, right? Thinking about an elephant. It's, it's like right now, everybody, a lot of you are like, I'm trying hard not to. I'm trying not to. I'm thinking about something else. You can't do it. You can't, you can't do that. You can't not think about bad thoughts. Scripture does this. It says, set your mind on things above. Set your minds on things above. And so you really, you, you can't re- resist a bad thought. They will come into you. you. Guys, lustful thoughts will come into you. You know, gals, thoughts of inferiority will come into you. You can't, you can't just go, man, I'm going to resist that bad thought forever coming in. You cannot do that. that. We're not wired that way. But what we are wired with is we are wired with a way for God to allow us to set our mind on things above, to not resist the thought, but actually replace the thought, Okay. So we have to replace it. You can't resist it. It's going to come. Now replace it with the good. And if you're conversing with God all day, what's going to naturally happen? You're going to end up replacing that thought. If you're with me, say yeah. Yeah. Number three, don't stop learning. It's key to everything. Don't stop learning. You've heard me say this before. If you are the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Don't stop learning. Don't stop it. The moment that you stop learning, you physically, scientifically approve. The moment you stop learning, you start dying don't stop learning. I don't care how old you are. Don't stop learning. You think you know it all, teenager? We'll let you think you do for a little couple years until you're out of our house, but don't stop learning. Don't stop learning. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 15. It says, wise men and women are what? Always learning. Always listening for fresh insights. So how do we do it? How do we never stop learning? There's two huge ways that are proven. One is through reading, and the other is through relationships. Now, if I were to take a poll right here and say, how many of you love to read? It'd be less than a quarter of us, okay? I'm not, I don't like to read. I, I love to read different things, um, you know, and I have to choose wisely. We don't really have an excuse anymore because there's so many different things that we can read. Um, there's podcasts, all of that. But then it's relationships, and it's proven that your life will basically be influenced most by the books you read and by the people that you meet. So meet the right people. Learn the right questions to ask and spend time with the right people. You know, um, spend time with one of the small groups. Get together. I'm going to be leading the purple book. I can't wait. I hope you can come. We're going to do it after church on Sundays. All right, after Super Bowl, after all football's done. All right, we're going to do that. Derek's leading a, a young adults group and a college age group. It's going to be awesome. Alyssa's leading the biggest loser group. I'm going to join it because i got 50 more to lose and it's on, buddy. I'm going to take you. So, like, come with if you want. All right? But here's the deal. 
those relationships, those people that you get to know. We go after people. I want to I wanna be a better steward of our personal finance. So I find friends of mine that have done well and have success, you know, done successful with money. And I ask them, I said, teach me. How have you done this? I learn from them. You know, the guys and the, the women that have lost a bunch of weight or they've kept it off. I go and I ask them questions. How have you done it? What have you? I want to learn from them. Learn from the people that have gone before. I like to say it like this. Learn from the mistakes others make so you don't have to make them. Okay? So I have homework for you this week. I want all of you to go make a mistake and then teach me so I don't have to make it, all right? So that's what the pastor said. That's never said in church. Number four, everybody said number four. Number four, everybody, come on, number four. Renew your mind daily with God's word. This is huge for your mental health. If you're gonna change anything, it starts in your mind. It doesn't start with behavior. Okay, check this out, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. Is that up there? Oh, it's not up there. I'm sorry. Can we put that scripture up there? Hey, what do you know? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform into a new person by changing what? The way you think. God can do that, okay? Which is what? It's good and it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And can I encourage you to do this? Now, I'm not saying this, you have to do this. I don't want to get into, that's religion. But it's proven that within the first five to 10 minutes of every single day, whatever you do in those first five to 10 minutes will actually set your mood for the rest of the day. Okay? So, picture this. If you get up, and the first thing you do, like I used to do, I used to turn on the news, you know? My attitude sucked. It was bad. I said sucked again. All right. And, and so throughout the day, it was just awful. Why? Have you watched the news lately? Dude, stop watching the flipping news, okay? Like seriously. It, is there, I, like they feed off negativity and they feed off, they're, they're spinning it. You know, one, I don't care what side you're on, man. It's spun. It's ridiculous. When I'm at the gym, I like to plug in and all, all that's on is like CNN and Fox. And I'm like, man, can we just turn it off for a while? If you feed yourself at the beginning of your day with that, you'll be negative the whole rest of the day. I guarantee it. So what if, what if, you okay if I'm preaching like this? You guys okay with that? You good? Okay, I'm being very real with you. I'm being very transparent. Why not grab the word of God and get up in the morning and read just the scripture and download the U version for free. If you don't like reading it, you can have your alarm set though it goes off and it speaks audibly to you in the morning. And if you start your day with five to 10 minutes of biblical, you know, foundation or something from scripture, you know what happens? Unless it's like the scripture about Judas, it's really good the rest of the day. Okay? It goes, all of a sudden your mood changes. You gave God that day. You said, God, this is your day. Do with it what you will. Here we go. Number five. And this is my favorite one. It's my favorite. Let God stretch your imagination. My wife didn't know I was sharing this. And she talked to me, I'm a dreamer. If, if you know me, man, I'm a dreamer. And one of the things that I've learned is if you have a dream, some of you need to learn to dream again, okay? Some of you don't think you're worth it. I'm gonna slap all y'all, okay? I'm like in a physical mood this morning. I'm gonna like slap people and come over and have my wife slap. I mean, we're a physical church today. It's good. It's a, yeah. I'm, I'm targeting you. Anyway, um, some of you get that if you watch The Saints in 2009. Um, I'm a dreamer, man. I've been a dreamer since day one. 
You don't start a church plant without a dream in your heart. <laughs> you know, every person said, you can't go to a small town to plant a church. And you know what they said? They said, because there's not enough money to support the vision God will give you. That just slapped all of us because it's not true. It has nothing to do with the money. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. Church isn't after money. It's not, it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with being obedient to God and let God call you to life the way you're supposed to be. Some of you, you're even ticked this is on screen right now because you don't even know how to use your imagination anymore. You're scared too. You've been hurt before. You don't know how to dream anymore. You've been coiled up. You go, I'm too old. I, I live my life. I, I picked this spouse. He picked, I, it's, it's over. Blah. Oh, man, I just, just right now, just for just a moment, get a glimpse of who you are in God's eyes. Just see it, please. Don't, don't picture the Old Testament, you know, God of the stereotype who's just killing people all the time and going to war. He was a God of mercy and grace, and he constantly wanted people's heart. He still does. It hasn't changed. And so I get the privilege of just being up here, and I am just like you. I'm just an ordinary guy, but I'm not afraid to use my imagination. I'm not afraid to dream. I'm not afraid to drive by empty land in St. Francis every single day that I drive right by and go, God, what if we built a new sanctuary someday in town that we could have and all the youth after school could come over here and just hang for a while. God, you can do it, you know, I got it. And we've offered money on that land over and over again. And every time we're told no, and I'm like, you know what, God can still do it. I don't take no for an answer. I'm sorry, I don't, okay? Because I know my God is big enough and God has given you a dream. And here's the deal, if you don't have a dream or if you're going, you can accomplish your dream on your own, then you're right, you don't have a need for God. Have a dream that's bigger than you because that gets the focus off of you. All right, none of that was even on my notes. Back to my notes. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. It says this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Can I ask you a question? And I want you to proclaim this loud and true if you believe it. Okay? This is interactive church right now. Some of you are like, oh, I'm so scared right now. Don't be scared. I want you to say this if it's true. Okay? We just said that God can accomplish infinitely. That's like Buzz Lightyear infinite, okay? To infinity and beyond, all right? God can do it more than we might ask or think. That's true. Say yeah. yeah. That's true. That's God's word. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's the deal. Some of you are not going to like this theologically, but stay with me. Because this last one is so important. Will you go back one slide here before, Levi? Let God stretch your imagination. Don't be afraid of this. God gave you your imagination in the first place. Okay? And if you don't think he did, you need to go look in a mirror sometime. Okay? Like, just some, one person got that. All right. God's not going to help you reach your goals if you don't have any goals he won't you know God cannot help you fill your dreams if you stop dreaming God cannot exceed your expectations if you have none for him he can't he can't so if you don't have a dream you're not really living you're just existing what's the dream man what is it that God, why has God put you on this earth not just to live, breathe, and die. It's, it's really not it. I want every person just to listen to me. I want you to look at me in the eye right now. I'm going to try to make eye contact with every single person right now. 
I believe this, I believe this is true, okay? You don't have to believe it, but I really want you to. It's something that even Reggie talked about this week, and it's the fact that you're worth it, okay? You are worth it. You're worth it, 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 you're worth it. You are worth it. So I'm gonna believe me. You're worth it, 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 you're worth it. You're worth it, yeah, you you're worth it, 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 you're worth it. You're worth it. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.